Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 543rd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who teaches how to use food and herbs as medicine. We're talking with Audrey Barron about food and herbs for health. Audrey is the creator and owner of Ezra's Enlightenment Cafe in Indianapolis, established in 2014 with a focus on plant-based and gluten-free fare made with non-GMO and organic ingredients. Chef Audrey began her journey toward healing in her early 20s when she was experiencing some significant health issues and was inspired by a family member to try plant-based eating. Eventually, opening Ezra's Enlightenment Cafe, she bring her experience and training into every aspect from classes and programs to menu items and retail herbs. Audrey has been passionate about herbalism as well. Over the past decade, she has trained with herbalists such as Susan Weed, Ron Teagarden of Dragon Herbs, and Rosita Avigo. Audrey is excited to bring her past decade of personal healing, herbalism training, expertise in making healing food, and love of growing food in a way that nourishes the land. This extends to her newest offering, the Medicine Woman Membership, where women are learning to use plants to heal, thrive, and take care of themselves and their family. Welcome to the show today. Audrey, are you ready to rock? I am ready. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Absolutely. So as the bio eludes, it really started in my early 20s. I found myself heading to college. And as many of us who've gone down that path, you know, there's the the freshman 15, you know, kind of thing. And, and that I definitely experienced, you know, just I gained some weight and then I just started noticing not feeling great. And it really led into deeper health issues. And what I found, this was in the let's see, early 2000s. And so at the time, at least for me, I wasn't finding information about 
how to really take care of, you know, eat for taking care of myself. It was really everything you're seeing in the magazines and in the media was how to, how to lose weight, right? That was the most important thing that was being told to women at the time. Mm -hmm. And the low fat diet and the no fat diet and, you know, all the things that, that, you know, it's still there, but definitely at that time in the early two thousands, it was just kind of like, I was wading through a sea of information that was really not there to help me. And I had a family member who was experiencing an autoimmune challenge and they were diving into a plant-based diet. And I was kind of watching them, you know, going through that and they were really experiencing massive amounts of healing. And I thought, well, I wonder if that could help me, you know, it really hadn't been something I'd ever wanted to do or thought of until it was like, I was falling asleep in class, I had chronic fatigue, my hormones were completely out of whack, I was experiencing severe depression, insomnia, it was like my whole, you know, my health as a whole was just crashing. So I, I started trying taking meat out of my diet. And then from there, it went to completely animal product free. So vegan for a good amount of time. And my health just like totally changed, totally turned around, especially when I took dairy and and then eventually gluten out of my diet. So at least for me, those two things were huge triggers. And throughout the years, I continued on that path and I learned about the raw food movement and I was in a corporate job at the time, which I, I didn't hate. You know, it wasn't my favorite thing, but I definitely enjoyed my job. But I was doing an internet search and found this culinary school in California, how to become a raw food chef. And there was something about it that that sparked, like turned the light bulb on more than anything else up to my life to that point. And I went, you know, I was just like, oh my God, I have to do this. And I went, I remember still to this day going home and telling my husband, honey, I think I'm supposed to leave my job, you know, that has like the, the, the steady paycheck and the, the benefits and everything. And I'm supposed to go to California and become a chef. And I just will will never forget his face. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wow. So it, you know, I, I eventually left that job and I did, I went out and I really needed to, it was a, about a month and a half that I needed to be there. So you really, I really did need to, you know, leave my job to do this. And I came back with this renewed, like, just like vigor for life. I had learned about not only how to make delicious food that's vegan, but also really how to utilize food to, to heal. And so that was a big catalyst for me going through that culinary training. And I came back to Indiana and I, for years, taught classes. I worked with people one-on-one consulting with them. I did a lot of personal chefing. I was also a massage therapist at the time. So I had kind of completely transitioned my life from working in the corporate world to more of a holistic, creating a holistic business for myself. So I was a massage therapist that was also chefing and kind of really just diving into what it means to care for myself and help others do the same using holistic means. And honestly, I never... I wouldn't say never, but owning a full on restaurant was not something that really I wanted to do. I thought of, wouldn't it be cute to have like a dessert shop, you know, or a little, a little cafe with, with juices and desserts. And because when I was teaching my classes, the number one, the two questions I always got were, where do you eat out? Because we can't find anywhere here. And when are you going to open a restaurant? (laughs) Nice. 
Yeah. So for years I was, you know, people, I was basically sampling my food because I would teach these cooking classes and people would taste my food and I'd get feedback. And, and all the while it was kind of like this test that I didn't really realize I was doing. And eventually I was a massage therapist at this particular wellness center. And there was a two car garage that was used as a storage space. And we would joke around every once in a while, wouldn't it be funny or cute if, if I opened a little place over there and, and how quaint would that be? And it was more of a joke. And then one day I just had this inkling to contact the landlord and go and actually look at, get in there and just kind of look at the space. And, and I just spent a good amount of time sitting in that dirty garage full of random items. And I just sat and meditated and really thought, I wonder, could we, could something go in here? And it just kind of spiraled from there. Then I got out the tape measure and I started measuring Hmm. and doing my research and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's where the path to the restaurant really happened. I have to tell you that there are moments on my podcast that are epic and I know them when I tear up a little bit. I (laughs) felt it when you were standing there and looking at that space and you know it moved me so oh, well it yeah it's thinking back on it now it moves me as well and and i one thing i left out so the name of the restaurant is Ezra's Enlightened Cafe so Ezra is the name of my son and when i was you know i was doing all of this and even then i got pregnant with him and i was teaching up until very pregnant with him and it basically right after i gave birth to him <laughs> I, it was almost like this mama bear instinct of, I was looking around at our community, which we have amazing community and it has grown a lot since then. This has been six years ago, almost at the time there was not a place where I could go with my family and not have to navigate the menu to try and piece Mm -hmm. something together. Right. And it's particularly for someone who's both vegan and gluten-free, but even more than that, it's, it's really just food that's clean. You know, I really, it's not even about being vegan. It's really about just food that isn't laden with chemicals and they're not using GMO oils and whatnot. And it was like, there is no place. And do I want to raise a family in a place that doesn't have just one, just one place in the whole state? And there wasn't. So that's, I will say that Ezra, his, his coming into this world, was the biggest catalyst to actually move me forward into not just talking about it, but like, let's, let's think about it. So yeah, so that happened. And I had the only experience that I had in a commercial kitchen capacity was waitressing in college. I had not been a chef in a commercial kitchen. I know I had only worked, worked out my kitchen. And so I came into it with a lot of naivete as far as how things should be set up and how to really organize things. And I think that it's, it's been part of why we're so unique because I came from such a naive space, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and really created things in a very unique way. And so it's, it's, we're in our sixth year and wow. yeah. So, and in a, in a state that is, is not getting great ratings when it comes to health. You know, we've got high obesity rates, high diabetes rates. You know, we're not a very healthy state at large. We're very, you know, we've got a lot of fast food restaurants, fast food on every corner, you know, but to find a healthy, healthy place to eat, you've got to really search kind of place. So we're some, we're here and we're, we're successful and we're growing. So it's a good thing. Nice. And so there's a particular way that you interact with the people that come in and eat with you. Tell me about that. Sure. So every day we we come at our job with 
the idea that we're helping people feel better. That is our goal. That's our mission with our food. So we want it to taste amazing. Of course, that's important. No one's going to come back if it doesn't taste good. But we want it at the end of the day for whatever it is, whether they're eating a dessert or they're eating a lunch or a smoothie, that it's well balanced and that it is organic to the best of our ability. We, I will say we're 99.9% .9 organic. Right now, the only thing non-organic are avocados. And that includes all of our spices, all of our mm -hmm. oils, wow. nuts, everything. We make our coconut milk, our, our nut milks fresh every morning with organic nuts, which just FYI is twice what right? regular nuts are, right? So or the cost that goes into our ingredients is, is already pretty high. So we go at it with we light, we light a candle every morning. We have a morning meeting, and we've done this since the day we opened. We talk about what needs to be done for the day, and then before we really start our work, we light a candle for anybody that, that would need it. So, you know, anybody in our particular work family that, that has someone who's sick or maybe has passed or something has happened, we light it for any customers we know that are going through troubles or just in general any broad sweeping things in the news that are on our minds. And that's the way we kind of go at it. You know, that's the way we start our day. And we really want people to just leave feeling good. We want them to leave, whether it be through the food or through their interaction with us or the general atmosphere of the cafe, for them to leave, you know, feeling good. And we teach classes every month. We've done that since we've opened. In the cafe? Exactly. Yeah. So we, it's, we, we do a lot in a really tiny space. It's pretty crazy. So we move all the tables out. We line the chairs up and we can fit about 30 people and we sell out most classes. And we and I teach a cooking class and that's every month. And we've done that since we opened. Wow. And yeah. So for me, it's not just about feeding people good food. That's wonderful. But I want people to be empowered. You know, I want them to be able to understand how to cook for themselves at home and how to take care of and prevent sickness, too. That's a big focus for me is how to just be well in general so that we are able to maybe not get that every cold and flu that comes through, mm -hmm. you know, and that we're strong and healthy throughout our lives. And we're not, you know, yeah, that we're just, we're able to have a quality of life essentially. And you don't preach that everybody needs to be vegan or vegetarian. No, not at all. It, that is not my, my goal. We simply do that because, you know, I, I was, I was more interested in veganism when I opened the restaurant, but even then I was not telling anybody they should be vegan. I, I don't feel that that's true. And I also don't feel that it's my business to tell people that. So I respect the vegan movement greatly. And I think that it, you know, it's wonderful that people are turning towards plants and, and adding more into their life. But the reality is we're never, the whole world isn't ever going to go vegan and nor do I think that it should there. You know, I think that there are some people, there's a lot of different body types. There's mm -hmm. different, you know, there's a lot of different, different types of people, different, different environments, different everything. So to tell, I mean, for any one, one person to say you should do X, Y, Z and tell, tell huge swaths of, you know, people that they should all do the same thing to me is, is suspect. So it's really for us is just more plants in your diet is always going to be a good idea and, and, and making sure that they're, they're not sprayed with chemicals. And if you can get wild foods into your diet, if you can even grow some yourself, like that is just extra, like, yay, like awesome. And, and then beyond that, you know, just making sure that if we are eating meat, that it, again, just like anything else, it's not coming from a factory farm that we're not bringing in, you know, we're not contributing to that system. So amen to yeah. that. 
Yeah. And then also I will say utilizing our intuition and our ability to think for ourselves. And that's where I'm moving into like, which we'll talk about later, medicine woman. But I, you know, I really just want people to understand that if just because I say kale is good or somebody says you should eat kale and you make a, make a meal with kale and your stomach hurts and you don't feel well, then you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be eating kale. Maybe for whatever reason at that moment, or maybe your body doesn't do well with it. And that there's an aspect of that too, where, where it's just dangerous to give information and say that anybody, that everyone should do this, that Mm -hmm. this particular item is good for everyone all the time. So in my classes, I weave that in, you know, like, Hey, this is what I'm giving you this recipe, but always make sure to check back in with your body and with yourself and pay attention to those, to those things, because our body is amazing and will, it speaks to us through through uncomfort, you know, so those things yeah. that give us comfort, that's, that's our body speaking. So, so. I, and I, I love how you explained by saying that if, if there's an always there, it, it's a suspect. I like mm-hmm. the way that t- terminology that you used. Can you say a little more about that? I see it all the time. I see it in books, new books that come out. I see it in the quote unquote experts, you know, which any of those can be, you know, you or I could be considered an expert, but it, at the end of it, of the day, I'm never going to be more of an expert on somebody's body than they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a culture, at least speaking in America, and I know that it's it's beyond America now too, but that we've lost our ability to to listen to our own selves. You know, we've been told that, you know, maybe your doctor knows more about what you need than than you do. And I think in some cases they might. There, there's always going to be situations where someone can give you guidance for absolutely for sure. But no one has lived with your body from the time you were born, except for you. Mm-hmm. And no one knows how you feel in your body and how you feel when you eat this or how you feel when you do that. And we are inundated with so many experts telling us what to do that. I mean, now more than ever, because we've got, you know, social media and with and Google. So we've got access to information at all times, 24 hours a day, that to kind of cut through that, at least for me, I found it to be helpful that that when I get overwhelmed, I just kind of come back to myself and turn off all the noise and say, okay, Audrey, what do you need? And I've that's been a tool for me. And so I'm just simply sharing it with people that, hey, don't forget, you have an internal compass too. And it's important and it and it and it is it's it's real and it's powerful. And it's a way to, and especially for women, I mean, I have an affinity for, for helping women because, you know, it's in a lot of ways, we've been disempowered through many things. And so it's just one more way to kind of find that empowerment through being able to listen to our bodies again. When it's, it's a skill that we have to learn, is it not? Exactly. It's relearning because it's been, I mean, it's been at least a hundred years now, you know, that, that it's been kind of this rewiring that's been happening of look to someone else, look to someone else, look to the person in the white coat, look to this person, they know best, they know best, they know best. And if we look around at our current society, we are not well as a society, as a world really, but here in America, because this is where I live, we are not well and the numbers don't look good. And beyond science, we can all, and I, I've been saying this a lot, like we are our own scientists too. You know, we, we, we have the ability to collect data as well. Science is basically data collection. And if you just look around your community and for me having a restaurant, there's, it's, it's such a little kind of a experiment because we've got people coming in and they're telling us our stories every day and we get to hear from them and they, they more than probably a lot of restaurants, they tell us their stories because they want to be well. They come to us because we have food that can help them feel better. So they'll often tell us their stories and 
you know, I've for the last decade through teaching classes and working with people and having the cafe, you know, the data I'm seeing is that people have been misguided many times. I'm not saying all the time, but many people will go to the doctor and and either they feel like they're not listened to or they have been guided towards a pharmaceutical when really they they could have gone to the root of the issue or you know, things of that nature. And so with food Exactly. And so not to say that there isn't a place for all of that, but why not go to the the things that don't have side effects first, right? Yes. Why not go to our diets and look, can we change something in our kitchen before we go and pay God knows what for a pharmaceutical drug? And then if you, if you, if you're, if you watch, I, I rarely watch mainstream TV, but when I do, I, I'm like, oh my God, every, almost every commercial is, is a drug commercial. It's a drug commercial. And if you just watch it through the end and it tells you the side effects, it just, my, my mouth drops open. Blows your and, mind, doesn't it? Yeah. I ju- right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just baffled at that. But you know, I understand on the flip side, I understand why people would go to a pharmaceutical drug because honestly, at this point, there are so many people suffering that I get the thought of just wanting to make it go away. You know, you just want right. to feel better. You yeah. do. I mean, it, it's, it's, I've been there. I've had chronic, chronic illness and it's, it is, it can send you into a spiral, you know? And so I totally understand, you know, it's not, it's not the individual's fault that this is where our society is. It's really a much bigger bigger issue. And I don't think we can really look to large corporations or our government to fix this. We really need to fix it locally. Yeah. Fix it locally and and starting in our own kitchen and our own gardens. Well, you know, the acronym SAD, don't you? Mm -hmm. Standard American diet. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's broken. It is. It really is. Are you growing your own food? We are. We are. So we, we started our restaurant in 2014 and so we now have a small urban, we call it a farm. It's on six acres. That's really. not small. <laughs> well, we're farming ha- half an acre of it. The majority of it is forested. And so we are seeing what we can do on this half acre to make it as efficient as possible. And I want to keep as much of, of the forested land because it really is, uh, we're, we're, 10 to 15 minutes from downtown Indianapolis. Wow. So there's not a lot of land for the wild wildlife and I do not want to to tamper with that too much. So we're doing what we can on that half acre and the little story about that is I we my family and I we we had had Ezra and we knew we wanted to have another child and we were getting tight at our house like we were like okay if we not have another kid we're not really going to have a lot, you know, we're going to just feel we're not going to have the extra room we need and so we're looking for a larger house and we were we had found the house we were we we're going to move into and we were days away from signing on that. And my husband is like a perpetual he works in in like the real estate industry and so he's just perpetually looking at for properties. Uh-huh. And we, we had found the house and we liked it, but it was like, there was something a little off, but we were kind of moving towards it anyway, you know, like, okay, I guess this is what we're going to do, you know? (laughs) And just because we were, I don't know, we just felt the pressure like it. And he came up across this property that had just gone on the market and it had been sitting, there was a little house that had been vacant for over 20 years and it was overgrown and it was minutes from downtown. And, and he laughed and was like, you know how you said you wanted acreage just minutes from Indianapolis. And I told you that would, that you were crazy and we'd never find anything for less than a million dollars for that. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I found it. 
and it's very affordable. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll go out and look at it. And I, I went out and I thought he's, he's insane because I thought I might get murdered. I, I went out there and I was like, this is deliverance. This house is falling apart. I'm afraid, like, I'm sure someone's going to come around the corner and, and stab me at any moment. It was like just a creepy feeling, overgrowth. You could tell no one had been there for ages. 20 years. And I'm like, and I, it had been over 20 years. Yeah. And I was thinking, what is he thinking? You know? And I just kind of, again, similar to the cafe, I just got quiet and walked around and just observed and just kind of sat with the land. And it just came to me and I was like, oh my God, I think we're supposed to, to like steward this land. And, and so I went to him and I was like, are, is this going to be like our retreat? Cause I had talked about always wanting a retreat space somewhere down the line in my life. And I thought maybe this is it. And so we ended up changing our trajectory and saying, you know what, we're going to stay in this small house. And because the home that was on the land is, is even smaller than the house we live in. So what we did is we, we remodeled it. That's part of what my husband does for his, he's got a, a business as well. And so he remodeled the home and we now Airbnb it. And so that, those, that income helps to pay for our mortgage for almost completely covers the cost of for the year. So um, you remodeled you remodeled the house that had been empty for twenty years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so we still live in our home, and it's only it's like a three minute drive to the farm. <laughs> and, hold on, hold on, hold on here. <laughs> so this retreat center vision farmland that you had always dreamed of was three minutes from your house. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and incredibly, as we're remodeling. And I mean, honestly, the driveway was so overgrown that you could barely, barely. So are the neighbors that lived around there for years, some of them for 20, 30 years did not know that there was a house there. And I'm thinking if it were me and I lived in that neighborhood, the first thing I would do, if I saw a little path into the woods, I'd be going in that path and seeing what the heck was up there. And it's just, it was like the forgotten little land. It was like, it was almost like it was waiting for us or something. And then we get to know we're in the closing and they had held on to the property because it was sentimental to the family. So it, had, it, a couple generations had been raised there and that last generation, they moved on and, and for whatever reason, they, they went on to other things, but they didn't want to sell the property because it had sentimental value. And they honestly said they were afraid that whoever bought it would, you know, turn it into something like, like apartments because that's happening a lot around here uh-huh. and they, they couldn't bear to see that happen. And so we didn't know that till we were in the closing with them. And she, the daughter, she was one of four daughters that were raised in this tiny house. And she said, when I looked at your name, I knew that it was going to be okay. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, I have a sister and her name was Audrey and she died. And, and I knew when I saw Audrey Barron, that it was a sign that it was going to be okay. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, okay. We're, this is something. All right, that's and, twice now. Yeah, twice now in the same in, in the same interview that you had me tear up a little bit. Yeah, wow. so it, that has been a whole nother awakening for me. I mean, I grew up on a in the country and we gardened, but I grew up around you know monocrop. You know, in Indiana, it's all corn yeah. and beans and stuff, and so I definitely grew up. We we had a huge garden and all that, but it was a different feel. And so now I'm surrounded by this it's unbelievable it's like a forgotten like secret garden back there and there's all these beautiful native flowers that come up that because the land was left untouched for that long it would it's given us 
this little peek into seeing what mother nature will do when she's left to, to uh -huh. repair, you yeah. know? So that's what we're doing and we're Airbnb, you know, the property and that helps financially with it. And then we are on that half an acre that we cleared, we're growing produce and a lot of medicinal herbs and the produce goes to the cafe and the medicinal herbs I use here at home. And then I make some herbal remedies and stuff to sell at the restaurant too. Wow. Well, you know, on a half an acre, you can grow a lot of food. Yeah, we're learning that. I, I definitely don't feel like I'm anywhere near as efficient as I could be. But we're, every year we learn more and more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Do you have a farm manager that's doing that? Or is that something you're doing on top of everything else you do? When we first started, we had tried that. And it didn't, for whatever reason, it did, that per particular person, she was going to go off and do something else. And so I was like, well, I'll try it. And it's just been what we've done. I've just essentially done it myself. But we have a huge help is that we have volunteer days twice a month, at least once a month. We try to do twice a month. And they're, a, they're three hours. And we will get anywhere from five to, we've, I mean, at times we've had 15 people there. And so in a, in a span of three hours, we can knock out a lot. Yeah. And we will, it's awesome. It's, a, it's, it's been the most amazing, heartwarming experience because it's a Saturday. These people are giving up on Saturday afternoon to come out and, and pull weeds, you know? And so it tells you that there's something in them that is pulling them there. And so it's cool once everybody's there for wh whatever their background, they've all been pulled there because they want to have their hands in the dirt. And so we've just watched people forge friendships and learn from each other. And that has been really, really cool. And, and then we give when after they work, they get vouchers for food and juice at the cafe too. So I was gonna say, I'll bet that happens. Yeah, yeah. And then we do a far, we do an appreciation dinner every season, and that's the best thing too. So it's been it's been a great community builder, and yeah. So we couldn't do it without our volunteers. So I, I do manage it, but I am not doing everything by myself. That's mm -hmm. for sure. In the list of questions that you sent over to me, you use the p word permaculture. Tell me about your permaculture practices and what your experience is with that. Okay. So again, I am learning as I go with this. So I have, I knew that I definitely did not want to use any chemicals and I had known about permaculture practices. And so when I knew we were getting this land, I really started to dive in. So I've taken a lot of courses online and gone to, you know, conferences and I'm just interwoven what I've learned to the best that I can. So we use our, our probably our number one practice we use is sheet mulching. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of cardboard from the restaurant because of, you know, things come in, right. in, in boxes, right? So it's a natural resource that we have. And part of that half an acre is an orchard. So we, we are growing fruit trees on, on a part of that too. And, and to keep that, to keep those weeds down every year, we've got to like kind of remulch it a little bit. And the sheet mulching is such a blessing. It's, Huge. oh my gosh, it's just like, I don't know how people do it without it. But if, as you know, it builds the soil too. So that's one thing that we do. We also compost uh, we've got a lot of scraps because we're a, we're a totally vegan restaurant and we have a juice bar. So there's a lot of pulp and everything. On average, we compost 5,000 gallons per year. It's probably grown. Wow. We did, that, we did that calculation two years ago. So at least 5,000 gallons of plant matter a year. And my hulky, amazing, hunky husband <laughs> loads it all up every Sunday. That's part of his for the week <laughs> he loads up these huge trash and he 
puts them in our compost at the farm. And so we also, throughout the fall, we will go around and we will collect enough leaves because people will, you know, bag their leaves in these plastic bags. Mm -hmm. And we collect enough to last us through the whole season. And so he will dump five huge trash cans worth of compost and then a couple of huge bags of leaves on top of that. And that is another practice. And so it took us a couple years and now we're finally getting that good black gold with lots of beautiful worms Mm -hmm. that we're able to add in to our soil. So that's another one. We also are doing guilds around our fruit trees. I'm in no me I'm by no means an expert on it, but I again I've I've done some research and taken some courses and and it seems to be working pretty well. So it, we're on I think year three of that, and we've got the comfrey and oregano and and type different types of mint and cohosh and St. John's wort, just different types of herbs around every tree. And my vision is for that orchard to eventually be like have just a tiny path that is just everything else is medicine via herbs and fruit. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I'm really trying to bring in our native medicinals too that have been over harvested, of course, like the golden seals and Mm -hmm. the American ginsengs and things like that. So nice. Well, so all right, medicine, let's talk about medicine woman and your medicine woman project. Tell me about that and what is it and how can people find out more? Yeah. So this was born out of us um, wanting to create a membership for our for the for the restaurant, and so it started out as physical benefits that you could get at Ezra's Cafe, like discounts on the menu and things like that, and then also online learning. And we were super excited, and and we did get people to join, but we were finding people weren't either. We're saying, well, I either I'm a regular customer and I just want your your menu discounts, or I just want to learn. I I just want to do the online thing. So we decided to split it up. And so now we've got a membership for our restaurant for our customers and they can have amazing benefits there. And then that's where Medicine Woman was born. And I said, you know, I really, as we move this into its own thing, I really want to call it Medicine Woman. It feels good because I, I really feel that affinity again towards women becoming empowered in this way. So that's where the name came from and we've been we've been going for over 6 months now and it is essentially a membership that is completely online and we are providing three main prongs so i'm providing recipes every month on healing food so how to utilize your food as medicine then also how to make your own herbal remedies how to use them but also if you want to make your own how to do that and then also using safe simple herbs right we're starting with the really safe simple stuff that's not too overwhelming for people so you definitely don't have to like want to be an herbalist or anything like that this this is really geared towards women who really want to take care of their family. They want to take care of themselves and their family, and they want that information. The The third prong is learning how to grow your own medicine and your food if you want to do that. And of course, you do not have to have an, ha- have an acre by any means. So we will scale it to that. You know, like if you only have one bed, or even if you've got a space on your windowsill, here's how to choose what you're going to grow, and here's how to take care of the plants, and then here's how to harvest them, dry them, and, you know, then you utilize them 
for medicine throughout the rest of the year. So that's really what we're focusing on there. And then so our lessons, you know, we really have a, amazing printable PDFs every month that that um, a lot of our members are, are creating essentially like a book mm-hmm. out of out of our, our our resources that we provide. And then pretty much every lesson is accompanied by a video too. So at this point, we've got well over 60 videos and it's just a growing library. So every month we're adding more and more. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got a Facebook private group for our women. So, and that's a really wonderful space where the women are able to communicate and connect and share and ask questions. So folks can have direct communication with me there. I go live there every month and things like that too. So yeah. Excellent. And where does one of our listeners find out more information about that? You can go to medicinewoman.love and our doors are opening soon for that. So they can get on the wait list depending on when this airs, either get on the wait list or if the doors are open, they can do that. And I will say we only open the doors twice a year. Awesome. Well, thank you for all that great information. And I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might've learned from it. I will say that anytime you're opening a business, there's going to be many failures (laughs) almost weekly. So I will say as far as the cafe goes, opening my restaurant without really having prior knowledge of a working commercial kitchen, we had many, many failures throughout where, you know, we'd we'd try something and we were like, oh, you know, and we'd find out three years later, oh, we should have done it that way. So that's definitely an area. I've had a failure with our, our farm where I thought I was going to be really smart and try watering our crops in the evening and come to find out that's not a great idea because it will spread fungus. And we got uh, last year like a fungal kind of spread throughout 50% of our our crops because basically the sun doesn't have enough time to kind of whisk away that moisture. So yeah, those are two that I thought of, one one for the cafe and one for the farm there. But They've helped me do better. So now that I know that, I will never, never do it again. Right? Well, that's the whole point of this question. (laughs) Failures aren't failures. They're just opportunities to learn. Absolutely. And what do you consider your biggest success? I have to say, I was thinking about this one, and my family, beyond anything else, my family, because without them, like I, I don't know what I would be doing all of this for. And I really... To be honest with you, what I'm most proud of is giving birth to both my kids at home without any drugs. Wow. Yeah, I felt more powerful. That has made me feel more confident, more powerful, and more basically more empowered than anything else I've ever done in my life. Cool. And what drives you? Creating a future for my children. So in future generations, uh, you know, as I look around at, at what's going on in the world and what that future might be for my kids, that every morning I wake up, I'm ready to rock and I want to do whatever I can that day to help make a better, better world for my kids and for everyone's children. Yeah. And I don't have any children. I'm 58 years old and consciously decided not to have any kids along the way. And that is the reason I do what I do. Absolutely. I think I would, no matter if I had kids too. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Okay. So I am a total book nerd. So I've got 30 some books on my nightstand at any given time. Nice. A lot of them are, you know, more practical. So using how to use herbs, cookbooks, things like that. So I chose a book that is a, you know, not one of those. It's a fictional, it's a fictional book. And to kind of take my mind out of and really take me into the into, a, you know, another world kind of out of out of the chaos of what's going on in our world. And so it's called Circe by Madeline Miller. And it's about 
a mythological, so Circe was a, a mythological being in Greek mythology. And this is her story of how she was banished to a an island and she learned to use plants to heal and and to do magic. And it was just an absolutely like deep dive that just took like I couldn't wait to open the book every night and just kind of like helped me get out of the everyday humdrum of life. So that was a really fun book. Nice. And again, the name of it is? Circe. Spell that for us. C-I-R-C-E. Perfect. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would say... If there's something that is like calling to your soul, you know, something that's kind of nagging at your soul, like I want to do, you know, whether it be, I really want to get back into painting, or I really want to learn to play the guitar. Those are just two of mine. But you know, just something that's nagging at your soul. Don't wait. Don't wait. You know, do those things that that like kind of just bring you that happiness every day, even if it doesn't produce money or further you in your business, because those things that give you joy help you be successful in every other area of your life. So those creative things that maybe we set aside as adults, as we, you know, are um, passionate about our businesses and things like that, you know, don't forget about the creative side of your life. Amen to that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Audrey. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. So how can our listeners get a hold of you, find out about the restaurant and your Medicine Woman program? So the best way that encompasses all of those is going to be Gaia Chef. So G-A-I-A chef.com. And so that encompasses my blog. It talks about the farm, the cafe, Medicine Woman. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Gaia Chef as well. Wow, that was a score to get GaiaChef.com. I know. I was surprised nobody had that. Well, congratulations yeah. on that too. <laughs> Thank you. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Gaia Chef. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.